Drew Balfour and the team of the Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio is a senior editor uh, at Fangraphs.com and appears by popular demand. By popular demand. As I say, he's a senior editor. His name is Jeff Sullivan. What follows is a conversation with Jeff Sullivan, a sprawling and a hopefully delightful conversation with Jeff Sullivan. Jeff Sullivan, who has recently visited Patagonia, the very southern tip of South America, climbed mountains there and also eaten pizza, and visited the same bars as Shackleton before Shackleton walked across the Arctic. Jeff also discusses baseball players with Greco-Roman names, closers who ought to be starters, who should uh, actually maybe be closers. And he also, uh, Jeff, nice guy, what a nice guy, also provides ideas about what one ought to do uh, when visiting the American South or a popular city in the American South. Hey, you got you to Knoxville so you can see the Wig Museum. It's Fangraphs Audio. It features Jeff Sullivan, a sprawling, delightful conversation, if I did not mention that. Uh, and it begins right now. only 74 minutes after i got home from lunch uh but it was a delicious lunch did you it was life of pie pizza around when you were in portland uh i don't know uh where where are we talking about north william uh like mississippi district oh okay yeah Uh, um it might have been it might have been i bet it's (laughs) i bet i'm spelling pie wrong yep i am yeah because it's uh, you know what that's close to? You know what it's really close to? What's that? Is Porquino. Yes, it is. Well, one of them. I don't know if there were multiple when you lived here. There uh, were. There were multiple. There were not when I moved there, but there were by the time I left. And in fact, my wife worked at the um the the location on Mississippi. Yeah, that is a, that's active, demanding work. It is. Yeah, I think the um I think the owner. Brian was, um, I think he was good. I think he was, it was, it was demanding, but I think like he was good at, um, creating conviviality among, among his workers. Yeah. And you know, when they were, when they, uh, when they asked if he wanted to expand, you know what his answer was when, when they asked if he wanted to expand it from his flagship store. (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. His answer was, well, that sounds like a good idea. That sounds like a good business. Yeah. Business, business business demands it. It is. He is, he is a, he is the sort of what I imagine to be the spot-on perfect type of businessman for that area. He's not like a three-piece suit businessman. He's like a yeah, dude, businessman. Is that <laughs> is sense? there? It does. It does. And the uh, it's a very passive. Like, no, I'm not going to be competitive. But I just, you know, I just I think we have a pretty good thing going. Yeah, and, and he turned uh, like he turned like. Like he gave healthcare to his uh, full-time employees, which is really great, especially for that kind of work. But at the same, but like in that in that area, giving healthcare to your employees is like a marketing campaign. Yeah, yeah. Like, I oh, mean, yeah, it's really it's really sustainable business. My work doesn't even give me healthcare. Oh yeah, where's that? Where do you where do you <laughs> where do you work for? Is there a name for the the type of humor where you telegraph a joke and then you don't tell the joke? I bring this up because of the. The 4K no joke we avoided. Yeah, I don't know, but I I have a feeling that the whatever the sexual equivalent is, is <laughs> that that's um that's been most of my life. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's uh, uh, foreplay followed by followed by followed by naps. Making a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's roughly it. So you had uh, you had you had a pizza pie for lunch. Pizza pie for lunch, and as a matter of fact. Uh, it was also happy hour, or I guess happy several hours for any pizza place during the day on a weekday. So there was a cheaper draft beer, and so I indulged, which I never do, in a, a lunchtime beer. But then every time that I think about doing that, I think, oh, Carson does this every day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. really quite nice. And, you know, I can, I can also tell you this. Because my next work task was not a post, but rather podcasting with you, I thought it really doesn't matter if I even get drunk. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh. It would only improve the situation for you. <laughs> I don't know. I look forward to these, Carson. No, I yeah, I know, sure. But it's, it's not hurting it, is my point. 
Well, I don't know. I would get uh, kind of self-conscious that I think we usually just talk about nothing when we do this, but I would be more aware of it, perhaps. Jeff, I, so here, I think we both start from the same premise. We're different people, different yeah. places, Jeff. In fact, li- almost literally as far across the country as you can get. You yep. you are a native of San Diego. I'm a native of Concord, New Hampshire. That's about it. That's about as far as you can get apart from each other. Yeah. Um, you went to college in a place where uh, people with your surname are frequently called Sully. Yeah. Frequently yeah, also by high school. Frequently by alcoholic Irishmen. <laughs> that but was I, my uh, my high school history teacher called me Sully, and he was an alcoholic Irishman. Yeah, right. But I'm guessing, uh, how popular is the name is the nickname Sully in the San Diego area? I uh, I can't answer that. How, uh, how many people called you Sully? Well, I didn't talk to many people, <laughs> okay. and I still don't. But enough people did that it was – it's the automatic nickname, right? Like why be more inventive? Why I guess be, that's right. Yeah. I guess why that's be right. like, I don't know, Pineapple Man. That doesn't make any sense. No, but nobody called me sense. that. It was always yeah. Sully or Soul right. Man caught on right. for a little bit. Right. Here's my point though. Uh, <clears throat> we come from very – we come from uh, almost as far apart as you can as you can come if you're in the United States, if you're in the contiguous. And we're both in, from the contiguous. Um, and yet I think that we both we both – clearly enjoy baseball, but we both also recognize it is not an end in itself. It is merely a means to an end, and that end is ideally some form of pleasure. Are you with me? So, are, you, are you here? Yeah. I think the way I think of it is instead of – it's a, watching sports is fun, and uh, it occurred to me the other day – I've been watching a lot of hockey recently because it's I don't know, very dramatic stuff that I won't mm-hmm. go into, uh, and – there's been such this team I'm watching is on such an emotional roller coaster run. They're the highs of is this of Ottawa? The game. Are we dealing this with is, Ottawa? I'm we're dealing with Ottawa. I'm not going to go into details. It doesn't matter. But they've been playing a very dramatic game, miracle attempted comeback in the season, and there's been a lot of emotional moments and incredible uh, highlight moments. And there's that rush that you feel when there's the the great sporting moment that everybody wants to feel, mm. and then the game's over. And you know what? Uh, you know what I never thought to do was like write analysis of it because it's just so separate from the actual game. And whenever you see articles that are like stats are ruining baseball, right? Well, you think, but they don't because watching baseball is very different from what happens in between when you're doing that. Like what we do, we fill time between baseball games. Right. Right. Uh, so really, what I, I presume when we're watching it, maybe the numbers tell us who to pay more attention to, but we're still just watching a game. Right? Yeah, I will say it affects how I watch games. Like um, <clears throat> now, now listen, do I have your facility with uh, pitch type comparisons? I don't. <laughs> I don't have. I don't have that. I don't where have is this, that. <laughs> where is this going, Owen? From the art of fielding. <laughs> but um, but the um, I enjoy watching pitchers, though. I enjoy uh-huh. watching a start, and so and actually with the, with technology, this this uh, technology facilitates this nicely. Because, like, for example, yesterday I wanted to watch Nathan Carnes. Because, like, even a year ago, Nathan Carnes was kind of – he was, like, a promising but definite, like, kind of spare part on the Washington Nationals. Is that am – I, am I right in saying that? I think so. I mean, if I'm not, I will say that he's at least become more interesting to me um, since he's been acquired by the Rays. Because, for better or worse, many players become – more interesting uh, when they've been acquired by the race. Okay, so actually, so here's what Nathan Carnes was last year. No, never mind. All many of the things I said recently are false. He <laughs> he he was with it in the national system. He made only three appearances for the parent club with the national in 2013. Moved over to the Rays in 2014. Mm-hmm. Apparently, spent like all of last season, except for two starts in the as a 26 year old at AAA. Um. But uh, he's been thrust into he's what their number two starter now to begin the season. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, that's the situation they're in. I confuse Nate Carnes with Ian Kroll, who was also with the Nationals in 2013. Mm-hmm. And you know it's unusual to have those K surnames. Sure. Uh, but yeah, when I when I confused Carnes for Kroll, then I looked at their pages and realized, oh, actually it doesn't matter. Yeah, same kind of deal. Is it? Are they the same? For some reason, Nate Carnes though had pop. Uh, he had occurred. I thought, oh well, he's gonna. Maybe he had a good uh, projection or something like that. I don't know what happened, but yeah, it's amazing how uh, how good you look in retrospect with a lot of these minor league, like the the fringe five. Like yeah, a lot of them do stuff. Yeah. Uh, it, 
what would what would happen if you know five ten years from now we enough have enough of a sample size and it turns out like you're the best scout? Uh, well, I don't, I don't think, well, I don't think we have to worry about it. So that's number one. I do think that, I do think that one thing that I benefit from that, um, especially cause like I've been like, I, cause I was uh, emancipated from fandom is that I have essentially have like, I have no like proper bias. Like I don't really have any bias. I don't need anyone to be good if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I probably do have. If I'm cheering for someone, it's someone who has probably performed better than their tools would would suggest. But maybe guys, especially if they've performed in the upper minors better than their tools suggest, like maybe those guys are just good players. You yeah, know? yeah. It's not not it, a ton has to happen between AAA and the majors for you to be good. And if you can if you can play, if you if you are on the better end of the defensive spectrum, and you know if you're if you're a batter and you know, you re- you have reasonable control of strike zone, and you're on the better end of the defensive spectrum. I think the only thing is, like those players, it turns out, are actually pretty boring to watch. <laughs> <laughs> they are. I think that what what seems so simple about it is so much of scouting is like you're identifying traits that make you think this player is going to be able to put things together to such a degree that he will be a positive contributor to his team on the field. And then if you just look at the numbers, you can see guys where it's like, well, they're already uh, positive contributors on the field. So there, right. like, there's the end goal. Right. We're done. And right. what you'll find is they tend to have lower ceilings because ceilings are what really gets scouts going. But I guess now we're just kind of going over the posts that we both wrote about uh, good players and where they came from and, and non-prospects and such, where you get your you Klubers or your, I don't know, who's the who's the typical position? Matt Carpenter, typical position well, player. Well, Carpenter's like, he's the big dog. I mean, I would, yeah. you know, it depends what... It's interesting to see what might happen to Marcus Semyon because he seems to have a real difficulty with contact at the major league level so far. Um, although he was better, I think, over the second half of last year than he'd been previous to that. Yeah, and he played so little and for such a shitty team that, right. you know... Uh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, there are... There are um, there, there are extenuating. I mean, it's it's interesting that he has a full time job now. That's in, you mm-hmm. know, that's, that's they seem pretty invested in him because they're like <laughs> that was that was actually one of the most curious moves because he he moved right. He was uh, traded uh, for Jeff Samarja to the, to Oakland, and Oakland was like, yeah, he's going to be our shortstop. And then, you know, uh, you're like, well, are they not? Are they going to get someone else? And then it seemed like for a while, it seemed like for a while, right? Like, no, I guess they're not going to get someone else. And then they made the trade for Ben Zobrist and Yunel Escobar simultaneously. Yeah. And you're like, oh, great. Now they have two guys they could play at shortstop. One who definitely plays there and then another in Ben Zobrist who can. And then they traded away. And then they traded away (laughs) Yunel Escobar almost immediately for a middle or like a, you know, like a really, for a short. Tyler Clippard. For Tyler Clippard. Oh, yeah, I get it. And Clippard's good, but. Yeah. Um. And then they're like Ben Zobrist is the second baseman. So I mean, it's definitely a shortstop. And yeah, was it's fun. it was a it was a very quick cycle of uh, oh well they he's probably not like a shortstop but okay it makes sense Oakland would be the team to uh, make take this chance and then yeah. oh well no because look now it's solved now they have three guys who can do this and okay perfect now it's like a job share for semi whoa okay no <laughs> actually the the Oakland is the team that would that would do this again uh, although I guess if you look at yeah, Oakland and Tampa Bay, they they have some unconventional shorts up situations going on. Uh right, well Tampa Tampa Bay has what? Cabrera? There's Cabrera, there's Nick Franklin, there's Logan Forsythe, and that's uh that's what they have. And Tim and Tim Beckham is also playing some for them. Oh, he's on the team. Okay, yeah. good for him. That's he played second he played second base uh for them yesterday, I think. I was noticing uh let's see. I'm gonna talk my way through this real quick because yeah, I was we, noticing do we need to uh, USA Today had a list of all uh, player salaries for this season mm-hmm. like every single literally every single player this is did you buy you bought USA Today in print uh, no I'm not an idiot no this is on <laughs> on the internet okay and uh, if I can run a search because I was gonna say that's it <laughs> yeah here we go so league minimum Many players making league minimum of five hundred seven thousand five hundred dollars this year. Okay. Many players on open day rosters making that. Sure. Five hundred seven thousand five hundred. Tim Beckham's salary this year five hundred eight thousand one hundred. He is officially making six hundred dollars more than the league minimum for reasons completely unknown. <laughs> yeah, that's that's funny. 
Wait, <laughs> I wonder what is, what is the reason? I don't know. Uh, you know, you know who might know is Nathaniel Grow. <laughs> well, yeah, he might. He's been writing uh, about uh, finances of baseball. Maybe we should pose that. Well, we'll do that to say, hey, Nathaniel. Hey, Nate. Not writing an email to him, writing this in notes, though. Hey, Nate. Here. Why Tim Beckham? Even weirder, Austin Adams, who's mm-hmm. a, a pitcher, I guess, he's yeah, making 507700 So he's making $200 more than the league minimum, which is like you, they bought him two trips to Trader Joe's. And he negotiated that. This is the leverage that you have when you're a young player maybe in baseball. The, maybe he like had, maybe there was like, like when he was called up one time, he had to take a cab. Like a really expensive, it was like in New York, he had to take a cab ride both to and from the stadium. And they're like, listen, we don't like, we'll just fit it into your salary. For just, is that okay? And he's like, all right, that's fine. I guess. Austin Adams is a, Live armed reliever for Cleveland. I've been I've known that name for a couple years now. That's great. Okay, good. Um, Tim Beckham. <laughs> he has uh, previous to this year. Yeah. He had like the briefest of brief major league cups of coffee. 2013. Mm-hmm. Steven Souza. Hey, would you, if you were to like if it were a size at Starbucks, how big would his coffee? Oh, he got like one of those laughably small. Like the first time you ever order espresso and you're mm-hmm. growing up, and you're like, "Oh, I'll have an espresso," and then you get it, and you're like, "But where's my coffee?" Yeah, this is why was this four and a half dollars? Which is this the is opposite thing, by the way. Um, you know that I am a world traveler, Jeff Sullivan. Yes, yeah, and a world liver. Yeah, it's a, it's the exact opposite in at least other one other place that I. I mean, in France, you order coffee, and it's always the smallest thing, and you're like, "What is the?" You can't say this because they. It's like they have a word, different word for everything, but the you're like, what's the biggest you can make coffee? And they're like, ah, oh, sacré bleu. And you're like, come on, <laughs> come on. Now you're just making fun of me. You did, no one even says sacré bleu. And they're like, oh, 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 oh. and you're like, this is. I'm actually just on a set. I'm on a movie set of France. And they're like, yeah, you are. It's like, I don't know what France would be portrayed as, like on when the whistle blows yeah. and extras. <laughs> What is? Maybe that's too. Anyway. Oh, what? anyway. So, so Tim, what's your, go. What's your point? Tim Wait, what's your point? Okay. So Tim Beckham before this year, very brief, yeah. uh, five games uh, of major league experience. Steven Souza before this year, very yes, brief. Yes, Steven Souza. Uh, very brief major league cup of coffee as well. So this year, Tim Beckham for the Rays, making six hundred dollars more than the league minimum, and Steven Souza making six hundred dollars more than Tim Beckham. <laughs> so. What, how is that, in what order was that negotiated? And I would like to know, I would like to ask these questions, but I know that teams are like, salary information is not supposed to be public. So I don't know. What do you think, do you think, do you think that, um, Steven Souza's agent was like, I don't care what Souza gets as long as it's $600 more than Tim Beckham? Well, the funny thing about that, teammate Nate Carnes is uh-huh. making $100 more than Steven Souza. Right. And his, his agent, had to negotiate that into his contract. And, and it's actually Carnes and Souza, both in the Nationals, both acquired at different times. And teammate Steve Geltz, or Geltz, I don't care, mm-hmm. he, also on the Rays, is making $100 more than Nate Carnes. Wow. Yeah. So, like, this was the order. Like, Beckham got a little more than the minimum. I don't know who's making the minimum on the Rays. And then his agents is like, well, you know what? I don't care what those kids have been making. I need... I need tires. I need new tires. <laughs> t- and it's like, didn't you get a signing bonus? Don't worry about it. I need new tires. And then Sousa's agent is like, hey, you know, screw Beckham. And then Carnes is like, oh, you know that starting outfielder? Well, I notice your rotation is thin because of injuries, because yeah. I'm negotiating as if I know the future yeah. in January. I need a little more than Sousa. <laughs> and then Steve Geltz is like, I don't know how my client's last name is pronounced, but yeah. all I know is that he wants a hundred more dollars than Nate Carnes. And the Rays are like, you know, that's our last hundred dollars. <laughs> I guess we can't afford to give it to any players. Now we can't have a pizza party at the end of the season. <laughs> I'm going to send you this list because it's fun. Okay. Yeah. I'll look at it. Yeah, I bet there's a lot. Do you think, if you were to guess, uh, if you were to guess, would you would you think that a higher percentage of the players on opening day rosters this year are making the league minimum than, say, ten years ago? Uh, I would I would guess as as much. I th- yeah, because there's been a, a general trend. They're having more young players, and so I think that probably expands to rookies. Yeah. Okay. 
I was just curious. Yeah, I was thinking. Uh, I was thinking it probably does. Does <laughs> did does is the case. Yeah. I wonder how many salaries end with numbers that aren't zero. This is. Uh, I mean, this this information alone is facilitating multiple Instagram posts. <laughs> is there any salary that end that end the last numeral is something other than a zero? Yes, I'm seeing a few uh, way at the bottom. Like the, la- uh, the last numeral, like five oh three or something. Like uh, for example. Yeah. You've got uh, where where's the player I just found? So oh, yeah, for example, you've Christian, got Christian. Daniel Norris making five hundred eight thousand seven hundred dollars, but then there's a pitcher named Shea Simmons uh-huh. that making. Oh wait, no, I looked <laughs> I looked at the wrong Christian Cologne. Yeah, I see for that the, for the Royals. Yeah, yeah, you see that he's making five hundred nine thousand five hundred twenty five dollars. Just twenty five dollars more than Brooks Brown, who's a pitcher on the Rockies. God bless his soul. God and, bless uh, his soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. twenty five dollars. But nowhere near uh, Zach Walters, who <laughs> is making seventy five dollars more than that uh, for the. Oh, and Yimi Garcia. Yimi Garcia is actually interesting. Oh, you know what? This whole section, we are in players like seven eighty to eight oh two. Yeah. Uh, beginning with Jumbo Diaz and going down to Nathan Carnes. <laughs> this is the holy grail. Of great, <laughs> great players. Matt Dendecker uh, has a salary ending with two. That's so that's what I was looking for. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Wilmer Flores, right there. Okay. Yeah. I, I got to stop talking about this because I'll do this all. all Wait, what is Flores? Time. Flores five forty three at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it, I don't know what that is. Yeah. That's great to that's great to know though. And, yeah. Yeah. And he he was a teammate until the trade of Matt Dendecker, who also ends he ends in two. Oh yeah, and so do we assume that Den Decker is getting? Well, yeah, he was just traded, right? He was. I think traded. that what this is, this is clearly a case of the Mets accounts being like, we need every dollar. Yeah, uh, Den Decker was just traded to the Nationals, wasn't he? Yeah. Hmm. Oh. So that's something to think about, right there. Hey, I want to ask you a question that has nothing to do of any of these things. Hold on, hold on. I'm finding a pattern. Josh Edgen, pitcher on the Mets, salary ends in five. Eurus Familia, pitcher on the Mets, salary ends in five. What's going on with the Mets? Kirk Neuenheis ends in five. The okay. guy above Neuenheis, my player, my page just automatically reloaded, refreshed for some reason. Okay. Uh, Travis Darno on the Mets, salary ends in four. What is going on with the Mets? What is Juan going Ligar, on with the Mets? Same so thing. Every, all these salaries, they end in not zeros. You're they, looking up, you're finding a pattern in the Mets? Yeah. There's something, you know what, this probably takes us right to the heart of the American government, and I don't know where this is going to take us, but this is where the podcast is going. This is like, this is, we're going to bring down the house of cards. I tell you, yeah, we're going to, we're going to end up, we're going to be standing in front of a period, uh, not a period, a pyramid with an eye on it. This, I, man, this is the kind of thing I want to write a post about it, but I also don't want to have my name attached to it. Yeah. You know? You need to come up with a, a, uh, with a nom, a nom de plume. This is an Instagrams post, but here I, we might look at Instagrams a little differently. But for me, I see it as well. That's more work. <laughs> so like, uh, yeah, why? that's interesting. No, I think of it instead of the work I should have done. <laughs> I don't. I hold myself to the expectation that I'm supposed to have two front page posts a day. Yeah. And the podcast doesn't count. Oh, man, so all the Mets, all the Mets Sorry, have these. Yeah. yeah luckily, here. uh well, podcast. I think podcasts do count for me. Luckily, no one, especially since I got rid of uh, not graphs, um, no one. No one really stipulated exactly what it is I'm supposed to be doing, <laughs> so I'm I'm attempting to um, exist in this space for as long as possible <laughs> until someone says something. Because I feel like Cameron doesn't feel like he has total control editorial control over me. Yeah. Like, because I for years I was you know working on the, uh, that other site, but then but Appleman because Appleman's a little bit. Appleman, let's say he's not entirely hands-on all the time. Is that fair to say? <laughs> that's that's fair to say. Yeah. Uh, listen, stop do stop with this, Jeff Sullivan. Okay. I would like to ask you a question about uh-huh. your life, and I I'm, I'm guessing it's a beautiful part of your life. Uh, you were you were absent for two weeks from the electronic pages of Fangraphs. Absent from the Northern Hemisphere. And absent, yeah, right. And I believe it's because what you were. You were you in Patagonia? Is that true? Patagonia, yeah, it is true. And what what? Tell me, I would like to know. I don't want to know everything about that trip, yeah. but I would like to know the. I would like to know the bullet points of that trip. Uh, well, the idea was uh, we both, uh, my girlfriend and I, we mm-hmm. both wanted to go to 
Patagonia, which it turns out is a very large place. Well, it's can you not just, just like – you, I, I mean I totally know all about it, but just for people who don't, <laughs> could you say what Patagonia is? Besides- Patagonia is a, a region of basically the southern bits of, of South America. So you're looking at the southern, a lot of southern Chile and a lot of so, uh, southern Argentina. Argentina. Mm-hmm. Argentina, just, Argentina sure. <laughs> That was embarrassing. I was just there. <laughs> so it's a very large region, and it has some of the most spectacular trekking and landforms uh, on the planet. And we've both wanted to go for a while, but we also have watched this movie 180 Degrees South a few times, which is a very inspiring and beautiful movie. I'm going to write that down right now. Do you think I would it's, like – do you think someone like me with my face? And- I think it, it – uh, I, each time I watch it, and I've seen it now probably like five times, but I come away thinking the big thoughts, and I feel pretty centered. Great, good. And uh, it makes me feel good while feeling bad about the the earth. But anyway, uh, beautiful place, uh, inspiring, especially it appeals to my climbing and hiking nature. So mm-hmm. we wanted to go down to Patagonia. There's the national park down there that's named Torres del Paine. Torres del Paine, I don't know quite how to pronounce it. Paine. Paine with an E at the end. What is that? I mean, uh, bowls? Towers, or, towers, or towers of pain. I don't, I don't know what pain translates as, but it's a national park with uh, some very uh, well-known features and well-known backpacking trails. So we wanted to go down there and backpack for five days, and then we were wanted to go to Argentina and do some more hiking there around Mount Fitzroy, which is Fitzroy uh, amazing. Is a, is a strange name for a place right in the middle of Argentina. <laughs> yes, it is named after an Englishman. I don't know how you guessed. Yeah. Uh, uh, most most mountains, it seems, in the West are named after English yeah, okay, people, yeah, yeah, military yeah. people. So uh, hiking around Mount Fitzroy, which is also a pretty well-known and just uh, – it's any listener, if you don't know it, just Google Fitzroy, look at the first image, and you'll be like, oh, my God, I can't believe there's a mountain that looks like that. So that's what we wanted to go see. It was a, a lot of sitting on airplanes and buses, and we got down there, and the, what they always warn you about is, hey, the weather sucks, and it's always raining, and just, the weather changes unpredictably. So just prepare yourselves for bad weather. And the day we arrived, it was raining. The day we left, it was raining. And all the days in between, it was perfect weather. We could not have been more fortunate. Unbelievable hiking. And that is probably as much as many people care to hear. Wow. But it was it's just absolutely breathtaking landscapes. And it, we were extremely fortunate. Yeah, that sounds uh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, and a really good pizza uh, in a lot of places. And it was good to come back to... Uh, to the states and stop eating meals that were freeze dried and stop eating them out of pouches, which you do a lot when you backpack and camp. So, what uh, you said, good Peter. I mean, what are the towns down there? Uh, there's a town in Argentina that's within the uh, national park where mm-hmm. Fitzroy is, and it's called El Chalten, and it's a very small town, but it's uh, it booms during busy season to uh, because there's a lot of climbing. And trekking and backpacking that takes place in the area. Wait, Mount Fitzroy looks crazy. Yeah, it's insane. It's Wait, it's absolutely just like insane. It really is. Oh, it, oh, it's 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 a curious thing to <laughs> yeah. see. It's a real tower. It has towering. Yeah. By the way, uh, Torres del Paine. It's towers of uh, of blue. It's an old indigenous name for the color blue. Is Paine. Oh, cool. And if yeah. you if you Google that, it also it kind of looks similar to Fitzroy. It's just. It's unimaginable towers of rock, and uh, and yeah, wow. So yeah, it's like it felt kind of weird, and it made me reflect a little to expand to so many resources and time to fly down to the other side of the world to yeah. see beautiful mountain landscapes, and I can just do that in Oregon. So I kind of felt bad for my contribution to pollution, etc. But to do it once and get so lucky was it was great. Yeah, that's great. Now it is the way you're describing. It, in some ways, it sounds. Like it might bear some resemblance to the area in which you live, because well, you mentioned two things: mountains and rain, and you have those, uh, you have those in sufficient quantity where you live. Yeah, the latitude where we were was very similar to the latitude uh, where I live, and oh. so in a and in a sense, we flew from Oregon to Oregon, which, <laughs> which as it happens, those the places that resemble Oregon tend to be my, my most uh, favorite places to go, like right. Patagonia or New Zealand. Uh, because there is – this will appeal to you. Uh, you're not much of a backpacker, I assume. However, in Patagonia and especially in Argentina, there is a craft beer scene and a wine scene. And what's your, like, which area in Argentina? Uh, just southern – like where we were around El Chao oh. 10. Just that whole southern area because there's just the right weather to grow uh, hops, barley, and, and 
grapes. All the all the all the, all the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, wait, and uh, how, how far away is the Mendoza region of uh, 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 of Argentina down there? Uh, that I sure don't know. Yeah, yeah, okay. I I only know that because I read it when I'm drinking the wine. Hello. <laughs> Mendoza Reds, yeah. Okay, um, well, now I just have to go ahead and, and look at and Mendoza would be quite a bit north okay. from where we were. That's and fine. what I learned is that the distances between places down there are enormous. Y- yes. Uh, yeah. Well, Argentina is a quite a big country, isn't it? We did we did go through a town. It's, it's yeah, and Chile is huge. Chile is like a noodle. It's like a stale noodle that is just lo- uh, it's al dente. It's not very bendy. No. But we went to a town called Punta Arenas, which is very far south. And uh, do you know uh, the story of Shackleton? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, I had a roommate yeah. one time who was a big Shackleton devotee, <laughs> a Shackleton scholar. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a mini series I watched on Netflix uh, about a guy like now who wanted to recreate the Shackleton uh, journey, and so he like he like all the parts, like even when like, they ate dogs. Well, not the, this the, guy uh, just wants to eat dogs and needs an elaborate plan to cover it up. Isn't that right? I, I think that's probably why he was shot down by bigger producing uh, production companies. <laughs> but he, I think he just wanted to recreate the uh, the what the voyage from. One of the islands, uh, there's like South Georgia Island and there's Elephant Island. I forgot which, where to where. But he wanted to create, uh, recreate the, that small boat trip and then the hike across the island where he went to the whaling station to get rescue. Anyway, uh, but Shackleton spent a lot of time in this town of Punta Arenas because it was kind of the launching port to get to Antarctica. And so, uh, there was a, a particular bar where he spent a lot of time that is now known as the Shackleton Bar. And my girlfriend is very into the Shackleton story. She would get along with your old roommate. Yeah. And so that was, it was neat to sit in that bar and have a delicious platter of food and look at all the pictures of, and paintings of the Shackleton era. Well, that sounds great. That, that sounds very great. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's I get a, conscious well. talking about vacations, uh, so I don't want to go into say too much because I know most people don't care. It's kind of like hearing about dreams. But you asked. No, I did. Well, I I don't care. I'm mean, honestly, I'm I'm curious about it. And uh, listen, and this is what I've learned. I'm not so special uh, to think that I'm the only one who's curious about it. Mm-hmm. That's one time. That's one. That's a that's an important lesson to learn. If you're curious about something, it really, it really, then you say, well, someone else must be because I'm not I'm not particularly special. <laughs> That's a good. That's a good way to do that. I think. <laughs> um, well, that that sounds that sounds like a great journey. And no, I yes, you are right in thinking that I have uh, no interest in backpacking um, <clears throat> or anything like that. But I do have a great deal of interest in. Uh, it's a it's a huge world, and I don't think uh, um, there's a there's a short essay or letter by uh, I think it's it might be Seneca or plenty the plenty the. One of the plenties. It could be one of three people is my point. I think it's Seneca though. Yeah, Seneca, Seneca at some level advises against travel. But he, he advises against it on the grounds that you should not, you should not believe that travel will allow you to escape yourself, um, because wherever you go, your, um, your concerns will follow you. However, at the same time, the, uh, the world is full, well, it's full of it's full mostly of horrors. It's full mostly of water, and then right after water, horrors. <laughs> so there's water, horrors, but then at least somewhere down on the list, it's 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 filled with um, uh, splendors. It has some splendors in it, and uh, it sounds like you you found yourself uh, in the shadows of some of those. Some of them. Yeah. You, and it, go. Uh, you you have me thinking now. Uh, because you said the name Seneca, I started to sort of change the subject, but maybe yeah. more appealing to you. So you know, there's a uh, the the baseball pitcher Archimedes Comanero. This is cross yeah. your awareness. Sure, sure, so, sure. Yeah, I'd forgotten. There's there's a football quarterback whose name is Seneca Wallace. There was uh, a football defensive back. I think he's in the Hall of Fame. His name is Aeneas Williams or Aeneas. Oh, Aeneas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Aeneas Williams. Yeah. Right. And uh, how many? Of those na- how many like Greco-Roman names do you think have popped up, not necessarily out of like deference mm-hmm. to the original people, but just like maybe parents heard the name Seneca and they're like, yeah, I like the sound That's of that, and then we're gonna yeah. name our football player son after 
After Seneca the Younger, or the Elder, I guess. It's, uh, don't know, forget, too, there is a great uh, Cuban baseball player whose name was Achilles Cumberbund. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether or not to believe you. <laughs> it de- does it matter? Should it I'm matter, I'm not going to pursue it. No, I'm not don't pursue, pursue it. it. Je- I, let me just tell you, there was a great... He was... Um, Ray, uh, not Ray Sanchez, Ray Ordonez. Remember Ray Ordonez? When he was asked about his defense, for for the mess, when he's asked about his defensive proficiency, he said, you know, you may think that I'm good, but I learned everything. I know the real great one is Achilles Cummerbund. (laughs) (laughs) You can look it up, man. It's in, it's in, uh, it's in Sports Illustrated. <laughs> it's not, you uh, can't read. You didn't say. Just it's just illustrated. It's just, it's just a comic. It's just a drawing. Yeah. You can just tell it's what he's saying. Yeah. Right. So I'm not. I'm looking at Baseball Reference and fo- uh, Football Reference. And Football Reference, how uh, even though there's a Seneca and an Aeneas and etc. There's no Pliny. Okay. Ever. Uh, and Baseball Reference, there. Oh, a Pliny Huff. There we go. Pliny oh, from- M. Huff from Bal- Baltimore, Maryland. He was born in 1852, and he's not still alive. <laughs> <laughs> not shocking. The, uh, it's also not surprising to me that it was, there was a 19th century baseball player. They had all they had all the names. The um, it, 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 well, there are a number of Caesars, right? Uh, Caesar Jimenez is uh-huh. the player in baseball. Yes. True or false? True. Yeah. True. However, uh, there are. I cannot find any Caesars spelled oh, that uh, like way. Julius Caesar. Oh, well, wait. Nope. There's some. Right. There's, there are a lot of Julios. Some. There are a lot of Julios, which, of course, be the uh, sort of Roman for Latinate form of uh, of Julius. Augusto, 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 August, August Fagerstrom. He's a writer for Fangraphs. <laughs> Augustus? I don't think there are any Augusti. How about Augusto, though? Augusto... Yeah, there's an A G A G O S T O. There's an A G O S T O. I've seen that name, and I refuse to believe differently. Well, no, I have sort of seen the name Juan Augusto, apparently. But I thought there's it was. no sign of any uh, Caligula on baseball. <laughs> Who is? It? How about Claudius? Well, there's a lot of Claudios. It yeah. seems like uh, like these names have persisted uh, mostly in in Latin um, among Latin Americans. You know what would be uh okay so I'm going to tell you a name of mm-hmm. a baseball player it's mm-hmm. a this is not a real baseball player obviously I want you to describe his uh his skill set based on the name Mhm Okay wait are you base- just saying are you wait is the other name for this particular game uh Carson you're racist how much <laughs> Well let's find out okay, okay. so the name Let's watch Carson racially profile people. Because this is a name that could be anybody's name, except for anybody Asian probably. Okay, Okay. so the name is Caligula Jones. Caligula Jones, yes. Yeah. What do you want me to tell tell you about him? The player is? What's the player? We'll do a white one too, so that way it doesn't seem racist. So so you just told told (laughs) me Caligula Jones. Uh, No, I think Caligula Jones is the the son of... uh, yeah, of a classic scholar. He's from the Upper West Side. Um, he went to Buckingham, Brad, and Nichols, uh, the alma mater of Rhett Weissman, who currently plays for Vanderbilt. And uh, he was actually a Latin major there, but left after his junior year. Uh, he he was one of the, he's a, was a rare type. He well, he went he went from Buckingham, Brown to Nichols to um, to LSU. Actually, he pitched in the SEC for a while. Um, he didn't. He was never able to develop a changeup, but he he ended up uh, going on some success in short relief in the majors. Yeah. <laughs> did he uh, Did he have a changeup? No, he didn't have a changeup. Of course, he didn't. That's why he was a short reliever. That's why he's a short reliever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's always funny when you come across those. Guys. Well, I came across someone recently. They're like, yeah. Well, I did. Happen. I was looking at um, Miguel Castro, who just made his debut for the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah. And he, I saw his slider, and his slider is below average. And it, I mean, in terms of the sort of break in velocity, it's below mm-hmm. average. But he also throws, well, maybe he calls it a curveball. Who his breaking ball? My point. <clears throat> it's not that impressive. But he throws. He as a, in relief, he sits at 97 with his fastball, mm-hmm. which is very good. And apparently, his best secondary pitch is his changeup. Uh, so you're thinking, well, he probably has a future in the. Uh, 
Now, did Trevor Hoffman ever start? Because his best pitcher was definitely his changeup, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, but didn't that come about uh, early in his career because of maybe a shoulder surgery? Right? I think he, I think he used to be a hard thrower and he lost velocity. I could be misremembering, but I'm pretty sure he used to be like a flamethrower. Then he lost velocity and he had to develop a changeup because he wasn't otherwise going to survive. And then he got but better. He, he never, yeah, but he never started in the major leagues. I'm sure he started in the minors. They all do. This is the thing that if you if you describe this player and I'm telling you, oh, he's a he's a triple A guy. I think he's got, I he's he's got great stats. Mm-hmm. Um, he's striking out everybody in the minors. Uh, he's a relief pitcher. He sits at 86 with his fastball. Are you gonna bring? Are you itching to call him up? Because that's what that's what Trevor Hoffman said at that in the earliest year for which we have uh, pitch data in 2002. <laughs> he sat at 86, and that's absolutely the hardest he threw um, for like the whatever, like the nine years for which we yeah. have pitch data. And and then he, he yeah he played through 2010, and he made uh, three All Star games over that four All Star games over that span. Yeah, and he was really good. He was really effective. Yeah. Yeah, uh, from, for almost all the seasons. I know. So, uh, Nefeli Feliz, when he first came up as a reliever, he threw, you know, very hard. Yeah. Fastball, but he also threw a lot of, uh, curveballs and, and some changeups. So he would, I forgot that when the Rangers put him in the bullpen, the idea was, no, we're going to start him. And then they, they never did. Yeah. Well, I started to, I had this conversation a little bit with, with Cameron the other day. I think yeah. it, it did, I think it did pertain to Miguel Castro and Roberto Asuna, who are both 20 year olds at, in the uh, in the the Blue Jays bullpen at this point, and they're they're interesting, right? Because they're both really they're starting starting pitcher prospects. Mm-hmm. Um, now, and and of course, Dave Cameron invoked the Earl the old sort of Earl Weaver method of doing this sort of thing, which was to bring up that kind of guy, put him in long relief, give him a bunch of low average low leverage innings, and allow him to you know, essentially develop at the major league level while also getting some value from him. But um, that's not really what the Blue Jays are doing with those two guys. And, and guys can get stuck in the relief role like Feliz did. And, I mean, Feliz became a starter, but then it didn't work out very well. But like maybe Trevor Rosenthal is stuck there. Like maybe Carlos Martinez is going to be stuck there. Um, there are a bunch, you know, there are a bunch of these sort of hard-throwing guys who have Jonathan Papelbon sort of that happened to him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you uh, what? Do you do you have any big ideas about that? Uh, no. Okay, so we're gonna go back to Caligula Jones in the follow-up. <laughs> okay, so you already answered uh, what, what you think Caligula. Caligula Jones. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you've already done Caligula Jones. You gave a very thorough uh, background. Yeah, I lied to you because honestly, Caligula Jones. No, he in my head this is a black person. Okay. Well, now. What would you imagine? Okay, this is a player, a baseball player. This is He's a real one. Dra- no, of course no, not. You're making this these up. You're player. making these up to just to just to reveal my obvious racism. Okay, I promise this one. There's no there's no <laughs> bias to this one. Okay, uh-huh. is the name gonna be like Terrence Turducken? No, that's Black. stupid. All right. Okay, so okay, so his name is C. Ptolemy Festervorth. <laughs> what does he do? C C period uh, that's C period. first initial Ptolemy yeah. P T O L E M Y. Yeah, Ptolemy Festervorth. <laughs> if he he's not he is a he's like what a junior at least if not a third. <laughs> I, I can tell you this: if you Google Festervorth, there is not a result. Okay. So that's, that's increasingly difficult to pull that off. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Right. He pitches. He's got. He wears a monocle. Uh-huh. Yeah, he pitches with a monocle. He pitches with a monocle. He, wow. he looks he looks a lot like he looks a lot like the Monopoly guy. Huh? Except when he, that guy was a kid. When that guy fought the uh the main forest fires uh just after just after Korea. Uh-huh. Uh something you might not realize about the Monopoly man, but if you if you look at a picture of him, mm-hmm. he actually is a child wearing a fake mustache. No. It's the only explanation for his proportions. <laughs> he's a baby that somebody dressed up for Halloween in a little tuxedo. No. And a mustache. That's why he doesn't have hair and he's so little and his head is so disproportionately No, long. he does have hair. It, it's very clearly, there are two streaks on the side of his head. It's very clearly his hair is slicked back. No, he is, he is, he is the exact thing to which Jay Gatsby w- was aspiring. 
Well, Jay Gatsby didn't see through the, the disguise. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, do you think there's ever been a Gatsby? Yeah, I do. There has not been a Gatsby. Not in, well, I mean, there have been, but not in baseball. Not in baseball, okay. No, okay. I guess I, I guess I didn't. Yeah. So okay. So you were talking about there's the a Stephen Matz. There's a Stephen Matz in the Mets organization. Yeah, that's that. You can slant rhyme that. Yeah. In in a rap song. Emily Emily well, Emily Dickinson could do wonders with it. Yeah, you can be like, well, I don't. He may not be Jay Gatsby, but who knows? Where Steve, no, Steven Matz be? <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> He's a triple uh, so A. You were, you were talking about uh, people pitchers getting stuck in the bullpen uh, as opposed to starting, and you had you had invoked Jonathan Papelbon, you had invoked Carlos Martinez, which yeah, and then I was just going to hand it over to you. I had nothing left. Yeah, but I feel like you you already talked to Cameron about this on Monday, right? So I there's not yeah, a yeah, but whole you know how Cameron Cameron. <laughs> Dis- kind of dismisses whatever. I mean, whatever most people say. Certainly, whatever I say. I want to ask you some. I think that I think this. I think this. <laughs> uh, you, there's the concern. I think somewhat justifiable that if you put a young pitcher in the bullpen, that he will grow too accustomed to that role, and then it will be too difficult to remove him from that role. I think that is not. Uh, but the teams don't appear to have that. The teams. What the teams appear to do is they're like, oh, we have. A, a vacancy in our bullpen. Mm-hmm. We also have Trevor Rosenthal at AAA. Trevor Rosenthal is starting at AAA or AA or wherever he was. He, we do not feel comfortable with inserting him directly into our rotation. However, he would actually provide value based on the quality of his fastball and whatever one-off speed pitch he has. But I think mostly his fastball. He would be effective in the bullpen. And then the next year comes around, and they're like, and in the meantime, Trevor Rosenthal has success in the bullpen. And and then you know that team goes to the playoffs. They go to the World Series. You're like oh my God, Trevor Rosenthal. Look, he's like he is the boss of this bullpen that throws so hard. When the next year comes around, everyone you know it's the coach. You have the the manager whose whose job it is to put the a winning team on the field, and then you have the player whose job it is and to perform well and who has grown accustomed to perform well at the at the major league level. <clears throat> and even if he had designs on starting originally. You have to assume it's like, hey, Trevor, uh, you got a couple options here, buddy. Yeah. Uh, you can stay. Remember you had the major leagues, how you get to go to all the good hotels? You know how that happens? And I don't know if Trevor Rosenthal has – it doesn't matter if he's got a girlfriend or wife or whatever. But just you're out. People are like, oh, he's, that's a major league baseball player. Look at that. He's tall. He's handsome. He's strong. And he's, he's out. To, uh, let's go talk to him. Let's talk to him. And Trevor Rosenthal's like, hey, I'm Trevor Rosenthal. Or that's one possibility you could do all that. Or uh, do you remember Memphis? <laughs> remember, remember when you were getting about minimum wage and you were living in Memphis? Not that Memphis is a bad town. It's not a major league town though. So it's probably not worse than Cleveland. Actually, it's just not worse than a major league town. Well, and then, here, here you're Memphis. Where do you go if, if you're in Memphis? Uh-huh. I don't know. Well, you go to Charlotte. I guess the I guess the AAA cities are not bad cities. Yeah, you go to you go to Knoxville, so you can see the Wig Museum. <laughs> Anytime you say that, a person dies in Asia. <laughs> okay, so you uh you have that case. Uh, you could also you could point at this. However, you're talking about Rosenthal as a uh, playoff uh playoff closer. Yeah. Well, there was a there was a, a closer, a reliever. I should say reliever. Let me uh, pull up the right page. Yeah, so you have the the closer of the Texas Rangers. Uh, in 2011, pitches in the World Series, Neftali Feliz, and the very next season, they converted him they to the starting rotation. And then uh, how Granted, many... he he immediately got injured, yeah. and he required Tommy John surgery yeah. that knocked him out for a year and a half. Yeah. But they still, they tried to start him to begin 2012, uh, despite him having saved, uh, what, 74 games in the major league level. Over parts of, of yeah, three years okay, yeah. through then. And you've got the Red Sox, they tried to convert Papelbon, uh, right? Was that oh, no, when they he acquired, came wait, was that when they got Joe Nathan and they were like, hey, you don't have to close anymore, buddy? Something like that. I think they were just like, hey, we put you in the bullpen temporarily. Mm-hmm. We're gonna, we're gonna stick with that. We're gonna start you until, oh, no, you're up blew out. So you're gonna go back to what you're doing. And the Mariners, uh, wisely or not, they had Brandon Morrow try to convert to starting at the major league level, uh, the Cardinals are having Carlos Martinez, right? Kind of try to start again. Yeah, but he did at the major league he, level, right? But he did it all. I mean, he did it all through the minor leagues, and not that long ago, Carlos Martinez. 
Right. Well, I think that what the what it seems to be is that when you have a guy come up and you put a starter in the bullpen, then if and when you want him to start again, teams are like, well, okay, we're not going to though send you to the minors at least not for very long to do this. We're going to we're going to give you the job because we already know you can get major league hitters out as a closer. So now we're going to take 10% away from your those two pitches, and you're going to really want to have another one. Yeah. Well, can I tell you an uh, interesting thing about Carlos Martinez? Maybe this is true of Trevor Rosenthal and other players of this ilk. Carlos Martinez, you know him. <laughs> <laughs> you know him. Yeah. Carlos Martinez made 70 appearances in the minor leagues, mm. which already should tell you something. Yeah. How many of them do you think were relief appearances? In the minors? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, maybe one? One, precisely one. Oh, nailed it. All right. Yeah, you really did. But he has, he has made, he's actually made more appearances now in the majors than he has in the, than he ever did in the minors. 79, and guess how many of those have been starts? Uh, out of 79? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, eight? You, if you should look at, Jeff Sullivan, are you joking right now? Are you messing I mean, with me, Jeff Sullivan? No, I'm exactly actually I'm right. looking at the page for Tom Wilhelmson because yeah. I was uh, I was ahead of you in the conversation, but I'm glad. Yeah, I don't think. Well, maybe you do understand, but I spend most of my day just looking at player pages. Yeah. Being like, oh, maybe I could write no. You know that feeling. Yeah. Except I think for you the feeling <laughs> is maybe I could write yes about, <laughs> about anything. Well, I could write 250 words on this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> That's uh, all, so that's another another case, Tom okay. Wilhelmson was closing for the Mariners. Uh, yeah, for sure. A few I years. Yeah, I know him. And uh, in in what are we looking at? It looks like 2011. Okay. Nah. I believe you. Well, well, the point I was trying to make, uh, it was a stupid point to make because I did it backwards. So actually, I was looking at a guy who converted from the rotation to the bullpen. So never mind. That's a lot easier. Uh, but for the bullpen, the back to the rotation, I'll stand by the previous examples I said. So with with the uh, with the although Blue Jays, Tom Tom Wilson did make at least one start last year, if I remember. He, yeah, he made little spot starts, and Lloyd McClendon keeps saying like, "Hey, maybe we think he's a starter because he does have like three pitches, but he doesn't throw strikes with any of them, so it's kind of a a risky gambit." Right, command is an issue. Yeah, but there there are relievers out there who have multiple pitches, and with the Blue Jays guy who I've uh, unfortunately forgotten the name of, what, what was it, Osuna? Yeah, Roberto Osuna. Oh, thank God. Okay, so I'm not a complete idiot. But with with him, uh, he's in the bullpen now because he has the stuff. The Jays made that decision where it's like, you're probably one of the 25 best players, so we're going to have you uh, pitch. And also, our bullpen sucks, and we want to be good, so yeah. please help. And then in a couple of years, if he's not hurt, which he probably will be, then they'll be like, hey, we would like you to start, though, because you seem mm-hmm. to have the pitches. We'll give you a chance. And hey, here's the keys to the fifth spot, and here's spring training. Make some stuff happen. Uh, and then and then he'll try to do that. What's unclear is whether maybe there's some additional stress on the arm if you convert back. Maybe your arm develops in a certain way for relieving, if that makes any sense. But I think we have way too small of a sample to really be able to understand what it's like to convert from relieving to starting. If anything, I feel like relieving might save some bullets. Yeah. What happened to <clears throat> what happened to Tom Wilhelmson? His in 2012, he was so good, and then. He really backed up in terms of performance, but his velocity was exactly the same. Yeah, his stuff is all the same, but I think it kind of gives you a snapshot of how performance and true talent aren't quite the same, where he's capable of throwing more strikes uh, than than he does sometimes. In 2012, he just happened to have longer stretches of doing that. Mm-hmm. But he's really his command is not that good, uh, and he's really more of a, a difficult-to-make-contact Against kind of guy. Oh, oh, hey there, hey there, America. <laughs> oh, not happy. Uh, do you think? Okay, are there any <laughs> baseball players currently or that have been named America? I uh, I don't think so. I'm not finding anything. Yeah, uh, I think it, if people with the name America are typically <laughs> uh, f- women. Here's a here's a clever one. Yeah. So you know, so uh, I searched for uh, America and David Wright. As you know, is is nicknamed Captain America. I d- I was not totally aware of that, but I believe you. Okay. Uh, and the only other result that shows up is Carl Pavano, nicknamed Play on Words, American Idol. American 
Idle, I D L E, because he was hurt all the time. Because <laughs> yeah. he ruptured his spleen shoveling snow. People are mean about Carl Pavana. <laughs> Jesus. You know, I gotta say, uh, shoveling snow is uh, dangerous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of a uh, guy on the, my dad's block, just uh, like as soon as you're over 45 or 50, stop it. Don't shovel snow anymore. <laughs> stop it. Because it's so dangerous. I, my, uh, yeah, my, um, um, this guy on my desk block just, he, he was out shoveling snow, came in, was cleaning off, like, uh, by the sink, just, just fell over. That's not, it's no good, is it? And I mean, he was dead, is my point. He wasn't. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I should be laughing. Go no, you should, well, yeah, but sometimes you gotta, you gotta, you gotta laugh. Uh, he's, I'm not gonna be in trouble from him. Carl Pavano made almost $72 million. In his career, granted, he probably saw maybe 35 of that. Who knows how how money works for any rich? But he should. I feel like whatever money he has left, aside from spending it to repair his damaged spleen, yeah. he he should probably spend to like make all of New York smell like socks, because they were really cruel uh, to him, and he was just trying his best as a Yankee, to be honest. Yeah. yeah I'm gonna ask not, you a question right now. Yeah. Uh, let's see. You will. You will. You will. You will agree. Uh, Jeff Sullivan, mm-hmm. that as a batter, um, if you have the choice between one or the other, um, you'd prefer not to strike out. Is that right? Yeah. And if you have a choice uh, between one or the other, you'd like to produce more total bases than fewer. Yeah. Okay. Would you guess that the rate your ratio of strikeouts to total bases would be a good indicator of WOBA? And how and how good how good of an art square do you think it would produce among the players from last year, the qualified batters? Strikeouts, strikeouts to total bases. The ratio of strikeouts to total bases. And I want you to think about the players who'd be good at that. Guys who hit for quite a bit of power relative to the number of strikeouts that they record. Yeah, so you've got like Victor Martinez, who's he's probably number, yeah, he's number one. Number, yeah. And number one. Uh, I would I would predict that it uh, well ratios get weird because it's a nonlinear. So what should I do? Should I do what should I do? Add strikeouts to total bases and then find the percentage. Maybe, uh, maybe you could kind of do like the the strikeout minus walk rate thing, where you do yeah. a subtraction and then express as a rate over plate appearances or something. So what if I do total bases? What do you think? Total bases minus strikeouts and then divide the that result by plate appearances. Yeah, see what that does. Let's I mean, I on the on the one hand, I don't know how much. What we're doing? I, it's clearly fun. It's it's fun to work around with numbers like that, but also we work for a company that puts Woba right on everywhere, everything. Yeah, but it's so. always like like if you just if you're to see a guy, because I'm always interested in like what are the indicators that minor leaguers can have, for example, that they're going to be good major leaguers. Yeah. And like so, one of them is, well, this seems like a good thing to be able to do is to, mm-hmm. um, well, that's always going to be a negative number, by the way. Is uh, what did I do? No, I did it reverse. Sorry. So what did I say? Total bases minus, minus strikeouts. strikeouts divided by plate appearances. Okay. And hey, while uh, you're doing this, uh, just so that listeners don't listen to you do math, how do you feel about Josh Tomlin? And unfortunately, he had shoulder surgery. When did he have it? Uh, quite uh, just the other day. Okay. Uh, no, today. He had arth- an arthroscopic debridement. Of oh, his- oh, man. I tell you what. Stay away from debridements. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen I've seen these debridements. Uh-huh. They're they're very they're not good. Yeah, you don't want a debridement. That sounds like a a, a synonym for a divorce. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> yeah. So here are your top <clears throat> here are your top five, six guys. We'll do six guys: mm-hmm. Victor Martinez, Michael Brantley, Jose Altuve, Justin Morneau, Edwin Encarnacion, and Buster Posey. That seems like a pretty good group, right? Yeah, these these are good players. Yeah. Players with a lot of total bases, not many strikeouts. And the last guy is B.J. Upton, so that's telling you there's going to be. <laughs> this is yeah, it could be an indicator. Let's see, let's uh, let's have some fun with um, with graphs here. Say something else so that it, uh, people don't hear the math. J- uh, Jake Jake Arrieta d- did well. Uh, Joe Panic is not, I'm just reading Roto World. Joe yeah. Panic is not in the Giants starting lineup. Cody okay. Ross. Cody Ross is on the A's. There's a thing that they did. I don't know. Oh, well, was he, uh, well, yeah, he was in the outfield there. And... All right, there's an R squared of, uh, 0.38. <laughs> that's pretty, oh. that's pretty strong. Yeah. Yeah, that's something. Yeah. 
I mean, really, yeah, the only should, thing you should get Apple to put that on the player pages. Really, the thing you're taking out what is walk walk rate, but walk rate in 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 total bases, I'm guessing, have reasonably strong uh, reasonably strong uh, correlation. Yeah. And then uh, what Babip, I guess, right? Because because Edwin Encarnacion and uh, um, and um, Jose Bautista both have they both have they have similar profiles. Mm-hmm. I guess it probably comes from being extreme flyball guys. Is that right? Mm-hmm. They both hit. Um, they, neither of them strikes out hardly at all. I mean, you know, like probably standard deviation below league average. And then, uh, and they have pretty good walk rates too. And they also hit a lot of home runs, but they, uh, they have very low, they have generally very low Babbitt, Babbitt numbers, Babbitt figures. Yeah. So you got a explanation for that, buddy? Come on, buddy. For for Encarnacion and Bautista, yeah, is it because they're hitting fly balls. Is that what they, is that why? Well, it's probably fly balls and hitting right into shifts. Okay, but they're and, right. You know, they're both right-handers, though. Well, yeah, but they still get shifted increasingly. And also, when you have guys like that, I know it sounds kind of too simple, but their best hit baseballs go uh, they go away. So ah, they just yes. remove them because they just hit everything over the fence. Right. So this is a situation where you kind of want to look at like Woba on contact instead of Babbitt. I've heard that referred to um, by a baseball insider as Wobacon. Uh-huh. Hey, how's your how's your team Israel doing? Um, that's I mean, actually, I know they're not playing. That's not public information, what you're mentioning right now, Jeff Sullivan. Well, I just got to move right on. That's private information. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. No, but that's fine. We'll leave it. I'm, no, no, I'm intrigued. Because I don't think it's expressly private. I just haven't mentioned it yet. Mm-hmm. But we'll just – you asked me about Team Israel – and I'll say, I can't answer that right now. Okay. I, can't, well, I cannot answer any questions about my involvement with Team Israel. I apologize or I don't. You can make the editorial. No, I, no, I actually, uh, I like it. All right. Uh, so here's a, a thing today. Michael Brantley is a late scratch Wednesday for the Indians due oh, to no. lower back stiffness. Ooh. Now, my question for you, if you were a Major League Baseball player, God mm-hmm. fit, and you are uh, inserted as a regular player, an everyday starter, yeah. how many days of the season, how many games mm-hmm. would you miss because of lower back stiffness, do you think? Oh, I think it would get old. I think that all the playing, because it's a, it's a, it's a torque, you let a lot of torque you're always yeah. in, in the sport, right? You're just a yeah. lot, you're essentially just rotating all the time. All the time, it's just like twirling. Baseball is partial twirls. Basically, it's basically like being a ballerina. Yeah. Um, An unfit ballerina. Is yeah, baseball. right. Like a real, like a chubby <laughs> dancer. Um, yeah. So you're just you're you're spinning a lot, <clears throat> and then it just it violently you're violently doing that, and then you also fly. You fly a lot. You're flying on planes. Some. Oh, oh, that kind of flying. Yeah. What percentage of because I can tell you for me it's quite high is why I'm asking. Yeah. If the – let's see. The denominator is is the total flights you've, you, you've taken in the nominator. Is it called a nominator? Numerator. Numerator is uh, how many times you've you've caught a cold from those flights. What do, what do those numbers look like? Oh. Oh. Expresses a rate. Uh, it's probably – can you have a rate greater than one? <laughs> most most flights are it's like going to the anti hospitals is essentially what a flight is. <laughs> or actually the real hospital because <laughs> yeah, because it turns out you, it's a good way to get sick. Yeah. I was I was already my girlfriend got me a little sick when we were coming back from our trip and so yeah I got to do that thing where you're uh, so coming back from our trip uh, for a variety of reasons, I won't go into detail. We were flying from Punta Arenas to Santiago to Panama to Washington, D.C. to Las Vegas to Portland. There were a lot of flights wow. over a couple of days. And I was sick for all of them. A little sick, but, you know, if you're a little sick and then you get on an airplane, you're a lot of sick when yeah. it's doing the takeoff and landing pressurization thing. Right. So I don't know. Have you, have you experienced that before? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just like the searing pain in your entire head. Right, yeah. There's a lot yeah. of uh, this fluid and it's pushing against things that probably best it. Oughtn't be pushing against, yeah. Yeah, I've I've never this happened to me a few times, and I never feel more like someone like I'm a soda can someone shook up <laughs> than like that, and then I'm afraid something's gonna pull my tab, and everything's just gonna come out. But it was, it's just, it's the worst, it's the worst pain for which there's no sympathy. Right. Like, well, there's also no this. <clears throat> there's also this other thing, right, which is 
um, is typically when you're flying, in addition to the fact that you are you're being exposed to people from everywhere and all of the various strains of flu they could po- or not flu well baby flu but cold at least that they could possibly be carrying. But you've also typically, and especially if you are someone who is more likely to book a who's looking for a budget rate on your Mm -hmm. travel, you're probably Mm going to be either flying earlier or later than your body wants you to be Mm -hmm. or longer. And you're going to be making how many, however many dumb layovers you made on your trip. (laughs) So, so yeah, so you're typically going to be awake at hours when you're, when your body oughtn't be in flying for longer than your body would like. And so, yeah, it's really, it's all of the things. It's like you're going to be sick. um, You're going, you're going to be exposed to people with various strains of cold, and also you're going to be you get by you're going to be next to them. You're going to be in. You're going to be all. You're going to be yeah, against if, each other. If you fly Spirit Airlines, you will actually be on the on everybody's left. It's there's one seat in Spirit Airlines, and everybody piles onto it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a whole bunch of sandal laps. Yeah, right. It's yeah. actually it's actually. Um, do you know during every Simpsons introduction how they all they all take <laughs> to the couch? There must yeah. be one where they just all sit in each other's lap and. Explode up to the roof, <laughs> and uh, that's a, that's what Spirit Airlines is. Yeah. Fewer, I, I don't, fewer I don't explosions. Know don't know that for a fact. Yeah, yeah nothing explodes in nothing Spirit Airlines. Yeah. All right, uh, you're good. I think we're good. We've done it. It's over an hour, yeah. and that's uh, that's more than I could have asked. Uh, yeah. Well, that's. I think this is about our norm. It's uh, it's always a pleasure. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So for for the people, I we both see it when people are like on Twitter and they say, "Hey, Carson, put Jeff on the." Yeah. On the podcast more. I just want to make it abundantly clear that is Carson's decision. Yeah. I have nothing but I, to do I with have it. not been necessarily – I mean usually it's just uh, sloth that has prevented me from doing it. Because no, no, yeah. we have a pattern, have a, developed a pattern that's easy It's easy to go to with the podcast. But, I, of course, I always enjoy talking with you, Jeff. Yeah, sloth. Sloth. That's why I call you sinful sestule. Yeah, you always call me that. Yeah, always. Well, stop, well, actually, stop doing it in front of my priest at least. It's awkward. It's a, it's a fitting nickname, but it's too long to be any good. What is Slothful. No, yeah. Uh, sinful is a yeah, I can't remember my own nickname. Whatever. <laughs> own nickname. Yeah. yeah. I think you're great. All right. Well, why you stick around for a second? But uh, for yeah. now, allow me to say thank you, Jeff. Thank you. And then, and then I'll say this too. That has been uh, Jeff Sullivan, a, an editor, a senior editor at Fangraphs.com. I'm Carson Sestuli. This has been Fangraphs Audio. Mm-hmm.